welcome to Friday Friends Day, a podcast by The Mama Marketer. I am your host, Olivia, and today I am here with my friend, Lana, who we met through a local homeschool organization. So, Lana, tell us a little bit about yourself, and um, tell us a little bit, um, what led you to homeschool? Okay, well, I'm Lana Gorman. I have been married for over 30 years to my husband, Jeff, and um, we have six kids. They're all adopted. And we've homeschooled all six of them, but our first child uh, was in private Christian school until second grade. And I just kept thinking, I would dread picking her up every day after school. And I would think, why do I have so much anxiety about walking that hall and picking her up? And it was because I would always hear something that had happened that wasn't great. And I would think, here's my, my daughter going to this place. It's not good for her. It's not a positive experience for this myriad of reasons, um, none of which were the school's fault. And I just thought, something's got to be different. What can we do about this? And we had lots of friends at homeschooled and... My husband and I had said, only weirdos homeschool, and we will never be those weird people like our friends. Well, now I'm one of those weird people on year 22 of homeschooling. (laughs) So we finally brought her home uh, and homeschooled her, and and it's really why we were able to have six children. If I, you know, there's no way I could have adopted this many children and had them in schools or that kind of thing. I couldn't have kept up. Um, plus, they all have special needs of some description, especially when they first came home. So homeschooling and the adoption process, just it, it's such a great marriage. It just works together. It's just this whole culture and this whole family thing that, that just works. Yeah. So. so you know that stereotype that's like homeschoolers like make their own clothes and make their own food and live on a farm. I totally used to like make fun of that. I used to be like, oh, yeah. Like, the high school that I went to, we had homeschool kids that were allowed to join us for, like, extracurriculars. And I remember, like, being like, there's physical proof that homeschoolers are a little off, right? Um, And then here we are, homeschooling and making our own food. And I would really love to know how to sew and make my own clothes. And so, yeah, it's just like, my husband is really big on not, uh, his, his kick right now is not making statements like, oh, I'll never. I would never. Because he's like, look at all the things you've said you would never, that you're doing now like just don't even tease yourself and just don't make those statements so yeah totally yeah there's the saying god laughs at everything we say yeah i won't ever do or that will never happen to me he's like challenge accepted yeah yeah. (laughs) not that it would be a challenge for him but but, yes that is exactly right that's how homeschooling was for us and now you know we'd never go back it has just worked out beautifully for us and i feel like i don't have any data to back this up but i feel like i have heard that like i think you said that adoption and um, homeschool actually work well together, and I understand that for sure. Um, but I think there is there is a stigma that it's like you have to have like the perfect like American like you know the kids in private school and the corporate job and the like that that image in the mind. But it's it's just not true. Like you can you can be homeschooling your kids and be home focused, which is not the norm in this country to have a focus on the home um, and still be able to have another entity whether it's government or agency or whatever trust you with another child so um that's really cool so before we talk about adoption tell me a little bit so we met through kansas home educators so formerly teaching parents association if you're in wichita and you're listening so tell us a little bit just briefly about that organization 
Okay, Kansas Home Educators, um, I'm super passionate about it simply because of what they have done for homeschool families, supporting homeschool families since 1983. Clearly, oh, wow. we weren't involved since They're, 1983. Older than me, for sure. <laughs> okay, well, maybe we, we can't have this conversation. Uh, anyway, so... <laughs> uh, it started with a group of parents who wanted to homeschool before Kansas even recognized homeschooling mm. or it was legal to homeschool in Kansas. So I always think back to those people and yeah. I think, wow, those people, they were all in. They were willing to sacrifice whatever to do what they felt was the best thing for their family, whatever that is, whether that's homeschooling, what, you know, whatever that is, living in the middle of nowhere, you know, like you're talking about yeah. and being self-sustaining. Whatever this family felt was their passion and their calling and what was going to be best for them, they were willing to sacrifice all and do that for their kids. And really, that's all it is for me. Yeah. That, that's it. Uh, so I think about those pioneers back then that started uh, Kansas Home Educators and then you know fast forward to where we are now since 1983 and we cover all of Kansas. Um, it's a statewide organization and we just provide support and encouragement and events for homeschool families and you know whatever we can do to help whatever family has made this decision we're going to do it. You know, whatever it is they need, we're in. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, and that's just really kind of who we all are. Yeah. And I think all of our volunteers feel the same way, that whatever it is that people need, okay, let's let's yeah. figure it out and let's go do it. Um, and that was one of the things that really surprised me when we started homeschooling, both in Texas and here in Kansas, that there was such community around it. You know, and I remember thinking like, oh, people would tell me like, oh, Sean's going to miss my oldest who was in school when we made the decision to homeschool. Oh, isn't he going to miss like school sports and team spirit and school pride and this and that. And I would not trade a mascot for the actual real community that exists around homeschool for anything. Yes. Like, uh, there's just so much help and support and there's so many different types of homes and types of homeschools and there really is support for that. And how lucky are we that... You were saying how they were they were homeschooling before it was legal, and so for them to be like, oh, we want to have an organization that openly supports other homeschoolers, mm -hmm. like, that's a risk. Like, I know some people that are uncomfortable admitting and talking about they homeschool now. Imagine in 83, like, yeah. what that would have been like and how lucky we are that we don't have to, like, we're talking about it on an open platform. Like, we don't have to be scared about it, but we wouldn't have been here if someone didn't go first so right, exactly um, yeah. that's really cool so tell me how you guys because uh Lana and her husband Jeff are pretty much in charge of Keisha <laughs> they do have a board that they answer to but I think Jeff is president technically uh technically speaking so how did you guys come to be not homeschooling to being involved with the organization to now like kind of on the leadership of Keisha well it was crazy when I think about it um so we went from having friends who were in TPA is what the organization was called then. They were in TPA and we would watch them do these weirdo homeschool things. <laughs> and we just knew about what they did right. and um, and kind of mock them in, internally. You know, we think <laughs> a bunch of weirdos. And, 
Like, we support you, but we're definitely talking <laughs> yeah, really, about you yeah, in the car. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and they knew it. You know, they knew we would look at them and go, hmm, okay, that's kind of where we draw the line of no way. Um, so we went from that to when I brought my daughter home and we decided to homeschool her. Well, then I was in a pickle because I needed help. Mm-hmm. You know, there were I had so many questions and I didn't know what to do. So I thought, okay, well, I guess now I'm one of those crazy people. I need to turn to my crazy friends in this organization. And they were what brought us through. And Jeff and I are both believers that... It, you know, if, if we're looking to something to support us, we've got to be willing to jump in if we right. can and when we can to do what we can mm-hmm. then for that group, whether it be, you know, our church or our families in different segments or whatever. Um, that's just how we've always felt. So that it just started evolving into that. And I think it was 2002, we had our first three kids and we started volunteering for them at the annual convention right. and we were doing the silly tiny things we were only there a couple of hours each day you know just a very simple small scale thing and it just they kept giving us more to do through the years and then they asked us to be on the board and then this happened and it, then he they asked him to be president and yeah. that's that's where we've been yeah. so here we are yeah I love your pay it forward mentality. I think that we definitely have that. I mean, it's just it's just what you do. Mm-hmm. I also talked in another podcast about how there are times where as moms we need to stop and fill up our cup. And sometimes that looks like bubble bath, spa day, nails. But sometimes for me it looks like sitting down and creating something or it looks like going out and serving someone. Like sometimes that really does fill me up. And I know that it is a hard concept for some moms to understand that because we serve our families all day and to go out and serve another family. Like I, I understand that a little bit, but I think that's wrong. <laughs> I think that you need to you need to give. And to your point, like the community that supported you, you never know when you're going to be the one that needs the support. So it's almost like pre, pre-paying it forward, yeah. you know, um, in case you need it. So... Um, Okay, so to my knowledge, no one. So the annual convention and everything that Keisha does throughout the year, these are a lot. These are big productions. It's a lot of moving parts. And to my knowledge, none of us are paid. Maybe no. the maybe the no, keynote no. speakers that we bring in because we do recruit and bring in like professionals. But the local st- staff here, and I am one of the volunteers as well, just to make sure that's disclosed. But to to my knowledge, none of us are paid for the, the things that we do. So what like keeps you going when you spend nine months planning a convention and then COVID cancels it? Like, like what, what keeps you going year after year and what keeps you like serving or to the mom that's not serving at all? Like what, what advice would you have for, for the, the volunteer that's broken or the, the mom who doesn't give back and we feel like should? And, and, and speaking of giving back, I've always been one when an organization comes to me for money, I was notorious when I had a small business of being like, what can I do for you instead? Because I didn't have money. I didn't have like a corporate account that I could pay out when I had a business for Little League and the different people that would ask me. And so I was always really big on just giving time instead, you know? Um, And I think that's valuable. Don't feel like because you can't write a check to an organization or whatever that you don't have something to to lend there. But anyways, okay, so side note. So advice for... (laughs) A volunteer or advice for someone that just isn't volunteering but is using the services of a church or a support group or something like that 
Well, I think, first of all, we need to all give each other a little grace and understand that we're all in a different place. So, you know, I, through our lives, we've ebbed and flowed where volunteering and giving has been easy and, and then we've hit times when it isn't. But we've done it because it was the thing for us. It was the right thing to do. Like for us, it's... It's harder for us to give money. Mm -hmm. We do, but that is harder for us to do than it is to give our time. Right. But you've got the other people who their passion is giving, and that is easier for them. And that it, and it, that's what's beautiful about this. That's why everything works together, mm -hmm. and that's why we're community. And that's that's how God created it all. You know, I I have gifts and things. I can organize anything. Right. The next person is friendly. I'm not necessarily the most friendly person. You know, I, I am an organizer. I'm, I'm happier doing those kinds of things. And so that's why we surround ourselves with people who are more people people. It's yeah. the running joke. And, you know, I'm not as tech savvy, clearly. That's why we have you. Yeah. Um, you know, so these kinds of things, it, it takes everybody working together. So I think the key is when you realize that you're looking to a church or looking to a service or um, you feel like you and your family need to do something else outside of your family, right. sit back and figure out what do you love? What are you passionate about? Because then the service and the giving becomes natural. Right. And that's where we are. So we are so passionate about homeschooling family that it doesn't feel like serving. It just feels oh. like this is just what we do. We don't necessarily sit in purpose and go, oh, I wonder how we can serve. It's just, oh, okay, that person needs something, let's go. Yeah. When it comes to homeschooling. Um, and that's kind of how that's kind of how I got involved, because it was like, we need someone to fill in this role, this mm -hmm. design role or this project. And that's kind of how I got involved. Like I had that skill set that matched, you know? So yeah, I think you're right, where it's like the first thing you have to do is kind of know what it is you or your family could do or what you're passionate about yeah. and kind of just wait for that opportunity to show itself and then that will be a much better experience absolutely you'll be better at whatever it is right. that you're doing you'll love it you'll be all in and then it works better for who whomever you're serving right. uh whatever group or individual or that kind of thing you know and some some people it's okay i I baked cookies and I'm taking them to my neighbor that's shut in because of COVID and that trips their trigger and that is awesome. That is awesome. Um, you know, I'm asked to do things and I think, that's not really my thing. And I sit back and I decide, okay, is it gonna be worth the, the added effort for me to do it when that's not really something I'm good at? And I kind of weigh it out a little bit and then I decide, or, or maybe I'll find somebody who I know is way better at yeah. whatever that is. Which is hard for someone who is multi-passionate like me. Like I have mm -hmm. several things that I can do and I do really sometimes have to limit myself and be like, I'm already taking on this big thing. And two, part of it is digital marketing's fault because so many things like digital marketing is websites, is social, is emails, is content design, is graphic design, is videography, is live videos now. So it's just like, it can all bleed into each other. Mm -hmm. And so it, it can be hard for someone like me to like know, like, okay, 
you, you can't do all the things for all the people just because you do. So I, I really have to pick and choose, like where mm-hmm. is the skill set that this organization needs and what are things that, yes, I could do, but I can trust someone else to do that and I can just stay here. Right. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, it is, it is a challenge. And I'm having such indecisiveness specifically right now because it's like looking at January and it's like I want to do all the studies and all the resolutions and all the workout classes and all the volunteer opportunities and I did that last year I signed up for all of them last year and then halfway through January I had to I couldn't keep up and had to quit the things and felt guilty about the things I had to quit and so I'm trying to save myself from that but now I'm just like paralyzed because I'm like what do I sign I haven't signed up for anything because I'm just like, I don't know what is the thing that's going to keep me going. Like, what is the, I don't know. It's, I'm having a weird spell of indecisiveness because there's so many opportunities and so many things I could do and I need to just chill. But I've just been praying about it. I've been praying about it specifically the last two nights. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. But, but yeah, it can be hard to, to know. Oh, yeah. Um, what is the right skill set to bring? Well, and plus, we are so gun shy because of the last year that we've right. had. Yeah. And it's difficult for people who are passionate and who have poured themselves into something and to see it fall apart because of COVID this year. Yeah. It's really hard for people then to pick up and go, okay, yeah, let's do that again. Yes. Let's work, work, work and really pour ourselves in and love this. And then knowing that we have a 50-50 chance of it imploding again. Yeah. Um, you know, who wants to do that? No yeah. thanks. And the experience of having, so we were working all year to have this convention that ended up getting canceled the Friday before, like a, a week out. And so it's it's interesting because it's made me think about, they talk about like the students, like the students at Miss Graduation, Miss Prom, Miss, all these things. And I always think about what about the parents behind them that were planning those events? Are they okay? Like we need to check on them. So it's made me really like think about all of the things that people had to grieve this year differently because there is someone behind the scenes making all those events happen that had the rug pulled out from under them. So, um, yeah, and it's, it's making me really, I know some events that are planned like early part of next year, and so it's making me very grateful that like we even get, get, get to go and do them. So, yeah, definitely pray that it all works out. Um, and we're so thankful for technology as well. But, yeah, it can be, that's, that's another one of those where it's like how do you keep your volunteers going when like something like that happens. Um, oh, yeah, and, and that is tough. It's, yeah. it's hard to keep volunteers uh, long-term anyway for right. any group. Yeah. But then when you couple it with so many disappointments, so much grief, so and even even people that were able to finally do whatever it was that had been planned, whether it was an event or whatever, it took a ten times more effort this year to do anything yeah. than ever before. So even if you did finally get to do it, i I feel like really a lot of the time, right especially right now. We're kind of the walking wounded. Yeah. I know I was last year. I feel like I'm just finally kind of coming out. Yes. and But I'm finding it difficult to trust. Yeah. And, it, and it's not that I don't trust God or I don't, you know, trust the, the great things that have happened. Um, trying to get the vaccine and all these things. It's not, right. or, or trust that things are going to get better. It's not... I, I, I do trust those things in yeah. my head, but because I've been so hurt and yeah. so many of us have for so many, many months, yeah. your heart has a hard time yeah. healing from that and moving on. And so I try to remember that about all of our volunteers, especially this year, but 
it's really an ongoing issue with any group, any church, any yeah, anyone any trying to plan anything. Anyone that has yeah. a yearly this or an annual yeah. that, we're all in the same boat. Where it's yes. like, what? Okay, twenty twenty didn't work out. Most likely, <laughs> what what do we do? How do we plan? You know, because I'm used to being part of organizations that as soon as an event is done, next week we're planning the next year. Absolutely, and that's what we have tried to do. And it's just we just have to be very cautious. And um, I had a. I had a therapy session last week because I'm really big on therapy and journaling and all the things. And she told me a phrase that literally like changed, um, changed the way I think. And I made like a little like phone screensaver and I'm showing it to Lana. And so the the phrase is, and I'll post this for everyone: is I can live with uncertainty. I can live yes. with uncertainty. I don't have to know all the answers to all the things. I can live in a space of not knowing what's next. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, and I'm not saying I am master of this because I just found this. I'm really big on mantras. And so I literally think this is going to be like my 2021 mantra. Like we lived in uncertainty in 2020, mm -hmm. but we just didn't have the benefit of knowing it going in. Right. I can have the benefit of knowing it now and just relax a little bit. So yeah. So just trying to be like cautiously optimistic with, you know, this isn't the year for big resolutions and big declarations no. and it's just like one step at a time and let's just see what happens um but yeah oh my goodness okay so any last minute thoughts on serving with Keisha and serving in the midst of COVID and anything like that you know I loved it and I loved what uh what God did with it and and what came out of it I could say that now yeah um July I would not have had that yeah feeling at all because July is when it all fell apart and July was when we had been working on this almost a year and we I got the hard no yeah we had the yeah. hard no um <laughs> it was a hard <laughs> hard in so many ways um and just you know kind of bleeding for everything that all of our volunteers had done and then we as leaders were just oh we were just there there are no words for how bad we felt personally, right. how bad we felt as an organization, um, and there was just in, there was nothing we could do. Yeah. You know, we, there were no choices left. There was nothing. It was over. Yeah, it um, was not for lack of trying. Yeah, we were not able to do the, the convention for our folks. It was right. Try, yeah. You know. Um, so, but what what has come out of that really hard hard year is we all got super creative. And I love that because maybe it took that. Yeah. Maybe it took something like that. And I think we can all say that even in our families. Or I know a lot of people who work outside the home in their professions, they had to learn how to be really oh. creative. Yep. And make themselves learn new things that they didn't have to learn before. Right. There was no need for that. I don't need to stretch myself, push myself. Now I'm someone who loves to learn new things. Uh, but I loved seeing our organization take on new things, learn new things, and figure out new ways to reach these new homeschool families. Yes. These these families that homeschooling is a short-term thing for them. They're right. just trying to get through the next semester. Yeah. Okay, what can we do for you? We don't we don't care if you're homeschooling for a day or if you think you're gonna homeschool for a decade. Yeah. What do you need? Yeah. You know, and so it was awesome now to, to look back and see, we really came up with some creative, great things yeah. that we never would have had to think about before. And I love that we've done that and we've taken on, we, and we're continuing that. And yeah. that's what, what's great is yeah. 
now we're continuing to find out some new things. And now we have volunteers who are thinking and dreaming of great things that they never had before. Um, so it's all good. Once we take a breath and we can kind of take a moment and heal just a little bit, you know, then we were able to step on and keep going. Yeah. And so, and for me, what, for me, what brought me out of the disappointment was I just like looked at like our mission because I was staring at it on the website <laughs> for weeks and months. But I looked at the mission and I was just like, at the end of the day, did we serve Kansas homeschool families? At the end of the year, exactly. were we exactly. there for people when they needed us? Yes. And I think we absolutely yes. were. We did little things here and there. Yes. Um, and we made sure people knew that we were here if and when they needed us. And the amount of questions and Google searches and yeah. like we were getting hundreds of, of people wanting to join our private Facebook groups a day when schools closed down. A day. It was ridiculous. Like we had to like have shifts accepting these people and <laughs> yes. vetting these people. Um, so, so yeah, I think at the end of the day we, we did accomplish our goal, COVID or not. So, yes. So, yeah. Okay. So definitely check out... Um, KSHomeEducators.com. That's their brand new website um, that I designed and all kinds of fun stuff. Everything that we do is in that spot. So whether it's our social, our events, our blog, everything is there. So if you're in the Wichita area or even if you're not, if you're out of state, if you're one of my out of state listeners um, and you have homeschool questions, it's not a bad place to start, even if you're not in Kansas. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. So switching gears, something that's been on my heart lately. And as I've put it out there, I've noticed it's on a lot of other people's hearts as well is adoption. And you heard Lana say earlier, she has six kids, all of whom, all of whom are adopted. Um, and some, I don't, I don't know all of the stories. Were they all international or some domestic or? So three are domestic and three are international. That's awesome. That is really awesome. Okay, so um, Dean and I are in the, this research phase too where we're like comparing the different types and like potentially want to do this someday. And as I've put that into the universe, I've had other people come to me and be like, oh my gosh, let me know what you find out because mm -hmm. I've wanted to do that, but I don't know where to start and everything. And so obviously Lana's a veteran at this in two different, ave two different you know, avenues of adoption. So I just wanted you to kind of tell us like, what, what led you to adopt? And where did you start with both domestic and international? Like where, for someone that's considering it, for someone that like has this burning in them, but they're mm -hmm. like afraid to answer it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, for that person who is brave enough to answer it one day, like where should they start and what, what did that calling look like for you? Well, you know, it, it's been 30 years. It was funny, I was, sorry, before the show, I was like, I want to hear about your adoption experience, but Lana still has kids at home. The, the adoption experience didn't, like, end at a certain date, you know? Like, she is yes. still in her adoption experience because it's a family, and family is forever. So, I don't know, I just thought it was funny how I realized, like, the error of that question, like, as I was answering it. But. You know, adoption isn't just the process. It isn't just the moment that child comes. It isn't just the paperwork. So for us, and, and for every family really, you need to know from the outset that adoption isn't the decision, the paperwork, the money, the time waiting, oh, they come home, and adoption is done. Yeah, cross it off the list. Oh, let me tell you, <laughs> that was the easy part. Adoption is, and when they say adoption is forever, we think, oh, they're forever ours. They're forever our children. No, it's walking off into the sunset. Yes, type of forever. And and you know that is true, but adoption is forever in that it is always a part of you. Mm -hmm. So adoption is always a part of that child, 
And adoption is always a part of those parents. And adoption is always a part of those birth parents. Mm. So understand that. Understand you're not looking at a, oh, we will have our child in 12 months because that's what the agency said. Mm. Yeah, that's great. But that is not adoption. That is not the whole thing. So is it kind of like, I always give advice to my friends who are getting married. And I tell them, this is not your happily ever after. This is where the real work begins. Yes. Is it kind of like that? Oh my goodness <laughs> sakes. Yes, it is. You know, and the process is really hard. Let me just say, every process we've had six times through mm. is different. Just like the birth experience is different for every mom. And some of them can breeze through and it's, <laughs> yay, <laughs> I didn't have any drugs and it was lovely. You know, <laughs> those of you... God bless you. That's yeah. wonderful. Um, but, you know, and every mom will tell you that gives birth, they'll say every it's different every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that is what it is. It, it's The adoption experience is not just different for every person, but it, it's been six times different mm-hmm. for us wow. every single time. And, you know, we think, oh, this one's going to be easier because we've done it this way before. Um, no. That's just not real. But that's okay too. I mean, that's the thing. It's okay if it's hard. It's okay if it's different. It's okay if it turns out in a completely different way than you imagined in the beginning. So what? That's great. It's okay. So go in it embracing that you don't know what you don't know. Mm. So for someone like me that wants to know each step of the way and nope. plan each step of the process, I just need to Forget let that go it. now. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you know, you can, they give you this great list and the, the checklist and the steps, and, and that is great. You know, start with that. But just be okay knowing that that's, it's going to be different in, in ways. It's going to be different, and that's, that's great. That's yeah. fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's super. I mean, because it's all going to be great in the end. And adoptions fail, and, and you know, mm. fail, I guess, is a horrible word to say. Um, Adoptions don't go through the way you think they will. And that is a real part of this. And, you know, it's happened to us. And, and, and you know, those are grieving hard things. But it's, it's okay. And it's, it's part of the life experience that everyone has is that we have these things that don't happen the way we thought. And, and that's all right. It's part of breathing. And, and just to be prepared for that and to know it's not the checklist, it's not the forms, it's not the pay your money now, pay this money later, mm-hmm. you know, it's that, that's, that's all part of it. But it's a human life at the end. It's, it's a, a human life, oh my yeah. goodness sakes, and it's yeah. messy, and it's ugly, and it's, and it's precious, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing, and it's, wow, who dreamed this up? How, how is this even a thing? How... How do I even have these six people? Yeah. You know, I look, I, I've had moments in my life, I, I look at them and I go, how are, how are these six awesome people even, even my family? Yeah. How did that happen? I was there, but I still, <laughs> I think, how did that happen? Look what God did. It's unbelievable and unimaginable to me. Yeah. And I live it every day and, um, oh my, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have changed a thing 
you know, I'd do it again tomorrow. I, it, it, they've been tough. They've they've taken the life out of us <laughs> sometimes. It, seriously. Yeah. And well, six kids, regardless of <laughs> how they, they came. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is it, it, to. I always start with what I tell people when they come to me and say we're thinking about adoption. Okay, that is awesome. But the first thing you've got to do, if you are married or you are a couple, you have got to sit down and you have to understand and be honest with each other. These are my non-negotiables. These are the things in the adoption process I cannot do. Maybe it's I cannot do an international. Maybe it's I cannot do a special needs. Maybe it's I cannot spend more than X amount. Mm. You know what? You have got to respect that in your partner. You have to, because we all have the things that we just don't think we can do. And of course, God's going to bring us through these things that we think are non-negotiables. But at the outset, you have got to respect that. So my husband would have his set of non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. I had mine. And, you know, we'd come together and say, I'm going to respect that. And we're going to find a program or we're going to find, um, you know, whatever the fit is for us that respects those things. Right. And sometimes along the way, we'd have to reevaluate. Mm-hmm. And we'd come together and say, okay, I know you said you cannot do this. How do you feel about it now? Because we're up against yeah. that. Are you still a hard no? Yeah. Or what do you think? Yeah. And sometimes it was still a hard no. And... Whichever one of us hit that place, I, let me tell you people that are thinking about this, you, at the end of the day, have got to respect and love each other through this. Yeah. And you have to accept that. Um, and the bitterness, you've got to fight that, you know, especially women. We, we are great about bitterness. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing, so I love, I love your advice of like, okay, set up your non-negotiables at the beginning, but don't be afraid to recheck those as oh. things change oh, in the process. To. Yes. Um, and two, I wonder, so one thing that I think a lot about is um, my current kids, like they kind of need to have buy-in as well. Like it's like, did you discuss with your older siblings when you were bringing younger siblings in like were they all in not with every single decision making process obviously because a lot of that is not for kids but like like a part of me is like I mean Sean is 13 yeah if this takes as long as they say that it could take he'll he he, heck he might not even be here yeah he might not be in the house but it's like do you how how much do you need like sibling buy-in or is it really it's up to the parents and it rolls down or is that different from family to family I, I, I don't know it's different um for us we never looked for their buy-in gotcha <laughs> you know I don't mean their approval but uh, I mean for me if they're excited <laughs> about a thing it's it's just easier oh if they're excited about it <laughs> and accepting and all in of course it's easier Absolutely, but you know, you tell me what teenager that's that's loving being in high school, and then you tell them they're going to be homeschooled, or right. COVID hits and they're going to have to come home. Right. Excuse me, you have no buy-in. Right. Yeah, you don't and, really and have some, a choice. Yeah, and sometimes it's like, sorry, I don't have your buy-in, but this is what we're doing. Right. And it is hard. That's hard. Um, so, that's one of my biggest uh, uh, fear factors. Is I've known families that have had someone in their home that they were wanted to adopt and then ended up not working out. And yep. not only are the parents left with broken hearts, but the kids were like, you told me this was my sibling for life. And now they're gone. And that's one of the things. And I used to be like, oh, we need to make sure that doesn't happen. But now I'm at the point where it's like, no, we just need to be prepared that it could happen. Like if exactly. we're going to do this, we have to know this could be a thing. Um, it's reality. That is reality. 
um, it's also reality that your birth children, you know, can one day wake up and go, you know what, I'm out. And so it's people and people are messy and I don't, it doesn't matter what, who these people are, how they come into your sphere of life or into your family. It's tough. Yeah. And you do have to know, you know, you, a part of you has to know these these things can happen and it, and it's, and it's, it's hard and it's bad and it's ugly when those things happen. I mean, there's just no two ways about it and there's grief, but okay. In your life, there's going to be grief. Right. I mean, there's no, there's no ignoring. No one's immune from it. No, yeah. it's going to happen. Grief in different ways is going to happen in, in, in all facets of your life. Okay, so we know that. And I have been of the thought of, you know what? Bad things are going to happen. I get it. It's going to be hard. I'm going to be, it's going to be painful. I mean, I've been totally broken. I can't even tell you right. the brokenness. Um. And I carry it with me. But if I don't take these chances and right. put myself out there, what am I missing? Yeah. And that has to be the focus is, yeah. what are we missing taking this chance? Yeah. Um, it's why uh, one of my girls wanted to skydive and I'm like, you go. Yeah. And I was sad I couldn't go with yeah. her. You know, I was yeah. like, I don't really care about skydiving, but she wanted to just have the experience that she knew the risks involved. She was an adult in her 20s, you know? And uh, I'm like, yeah, if, if it's worth the risk to you, go do it. I don't care. We, we always talk about how, like, God didn't necessarily call us to be comfortable. Oh, like, he no. didn't call us to live, like, safe, meek lives. Like, we, we're supposed to be, like, constantly improving or working or challenging or rooting and getting closer with him and that doesn't if you're truly doing that you aren't going to lead the same life year over year day over day like and I know to some people that sounds exhausting but um that really is true like what is life if you're not like just on the other side of this thing is something awesome and you'll never know um and it's exhausting I mean it is I mean let's it it is the whole life is exhausting but what did we learn through COVID was everyone happy in lockup? No. To me, it was locked up, not locked down. <laughs> I felt locked up People totally. Were, yeah. Oh, it was it was bad for type A's. Oh, my gosh. Type A's and those who are really outgoing, it was super hard for. Yeah. And I'm the type A and my husband's outgoing. Oh, it was it was a killer yeah. for both of us. Um, and But it made me go, oh, boy, am I created to be out there and right. doing and trying and failing. You know, I, I that's what I am created for. And I found out I am way more created for that than I even knew. Right. And my husband realized he is so creative to, to be out there with people and talking and, and moving and doing with them. Um, he's not a risk taker, but he is a, a people involver. Right, yeah. You know, he wants to be involved in other people's lives. Um, which is why we're a good fit, because I'm yeah. like, oh, let's go take that risk. And I love risks that don't involve people. And he's like, <laughs> oh, great, there's people, let's go. Bring you know? people. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but so COVID really taught us that, that we we are not happy being in and being right. home, even though I thought I, I would yeah. be happy being home with my people in yeah. my home. Oh, That's no. what I tried Torture. to explain to people that were crisis schooling, we're suddenly yes. homeschooling is yeah. that this isn't normal. This isn't homeschoolers are oh, used no. to our meetups and our field trips and our co-ops oh, and yes. our 
crafting days and our outside things like this this doesn't feel normal to us either you think mm -hmm. that we're literally physically in the home all the time but we're not and this doesn't this doesn't feel right to us either so yeah, um, that's so, exactly yeah. right yes and one thing you touched on that I just want to one thing that I think is important for people to understand you talked about how like adoption is with the child forever and it really is like I I remember not having a dad and then I remember having a dad mm -hmm. I remember having you know a home where my parents were married and we all lived under the same roof and then I remember like we have two Christmases now we've gone through divorce mm -hmm. so it's like uh, and I know people that have been adopted internationally or not they at a certain age like depending on when it happens like they do walk with that like you do walk with like being of two families of two communities of two cultures and it can it like you just if you're gonna adopt I think and you can correct me if I'm wrong because Juana's done it and I haven't but you have to be ready to take on what is that identity heavy crisis I would say when it comes because it it will like my adoption was not two parents fully taking me on it was just my dad adopting me when he met my mom and wanted to make it official but even that has stuck with me mm -hmm. and so yeah it, it stays with that kid forever being on you know having one foot on each it's, each side and yes. so you have to be ready to to care for that emotion and that process and taking your ego out of it and taking whatever <sighs> feelings you can still have those feelings but you have to be able to care for the person going through it your child when like you have to be able to take yourself out of it to be able to care for them to go through this thing and I think it's something that not everyone I think realizes when they get in like especially mm -hmm. like I know people that have adopted kids as babies and they still ask the same questions that the kid yes. that was adopted at a teenager they still one day are like is this a thing exactly what about my other parents what about exactly. my other country like they it still stays with them and it's not anything bad on you right but it, it you have to be I think ready to care for that little soul when it wants to ask those questions. Yes. And and you have to be respectful that their their story is their story. And so especially, you know, when our kids are are young and they're first coming, we don't share a lot of their story until they're old enough that we see them sharing their story other places and then we're like, "Okay, it's free reign. We're all in." Um because I'm living it my, you know, I'm living it in my life and in my way the same experience but they are living in a different way and I have to respect that and everything you said is exactly on we've had children we we brought home from the hospital who have questions and who are living uh, just some really tough thoughts and feelings about the whole thing um, and you do you have to take yourself out of it and just go you know what you feel what you need to feel and and let's keep talking about it yeah. don't ever make these kids feel like or young adults um that they can't come to you and keep talking about it which we'd say to every parent with any type of child you've got to keep that open you have to make them know that their feelings are okay even though they're hard for you and after I have the conversation I might walk away and cry yeah. yeah I'm just devastated that I've had to have the conversation and I've heard the hard things yeah you know that that is true um, but you know my 30 year old she was the first and we got her from the hospital and you we thought it's all roses. Yeah. Because we have this blank slate. Yeah. This baby that we can raise and train 
oh my goodness, no. <laughs> Which I'm sure every parent is just laughing about that anyway. <laughs> but, you know, she has dealt with um, questions and feelings about adoption later as an adult mm-hmm. that we've tackled together. And uh, it, it's hard. Yeah. And she'll tell you. Yeah. Even, you know, 28, 29, it was hard. Yeah. And I know for me, like, my sisters growing up did not know until they were adults that I had a different dad than them. They... They did not know. Interesting. Um, and I knew, but I also fully loved the picture that we were painting where he was my dad. And so there was a long time where I just didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then when my parents got divorced, more more of it got brought up, you know. And then through through hanging out with Hannah, Lana's daughter, who was friends with my sister, she's very open about her adoption. And, and where you guys are all open about oh, it, yeah. you did this. So through hearing her be able to talk about it, I started to be more like, no, like I was adopted. Like I, I don't know, as an adult, I came to be more confident and more like okay with it. Like it, it wasn't a secret when we were younger because we tried to make it that way. Yeah. It just was what it was. And by the time my sisters came, I had already been adopted. And But it is so a part of me. It is something mm-hmm. I think about all the time. It is one of the reasons I feel like it is a duty of mine to, like we were saying, pay it forward like the way my dad adopted me. Like I feel like I would be totally failing if I didn't try to change someone else's life that way um, or improve their life or just love on them. Yeah. Like to love on someone that you don't have an obligation to. I mean, it's well, just Well, it's a, it's a willingness thing. kind yeah. of thing too because not everything goes the way we imagine. And so you can be willing to do this. And it doesn't come to fruition. Right. But the willingness is a hard process that we need to go through. Yeah. You know, it really is. I'm willing to do a lot of things, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, please don't have that be asked of me. (laughs) You know, really. Um, But, and I think, so I don't feel like an adoptive parent. That is not a label I wear. Yeah. It's simply the way God and my husband and I chose to build our family. Right. That, and that's that like put a period on the end of that sentence yeah. for me. Yeah. I am not a quote adoptive parent. I don't have adoptive children. This is just that's my just family. family. Yeah. These are just my people. Yeah. This I mean that's the phrase I use all the time. These are my people. And, and I think it was Sandra Bullock who famously like went after some paparazzis because they kept printing stories about her and her adopted son Mm -hmm. and she went after them and was like that's my son and if you don't stop I'm gonna sue you (laughs) yeah and I was like yes yes like she's right like why are we qualifying these things when like that's just her son and okay to you it looks awkward because it's he's a little African baby so like yeah maybe they feel like they need to explain it but like it's rude it's a human that's his family and oh I don't explain who we are you know I know we go places and and especially now that I have married children and and you know it's just a thing we're this big group yeah uh I hope someday to just be that big obnoxious giant group (laughs) that has to like growing up we had to like call church ahead yes they told us to call ahead if we were gonna have all of our all of our family in town like oh my gosh I hope so no pressure on my kids yeah (laughs) someday I expect a big family you know I just I don't know. I, do, I don't like the labels. I don't I don't like that those definitions. I rather just, you know what? The, this is my family. This is who we live with. These are the people that uh, you know, God brought to us. We we thrived and lived together. We call ourselves family and this is who we are. Um, it's been easier than the the sons-in-law that have come. Yeah. How funny. I I don't call them sons-in-law. 
and they don't call me the mother-in-law. Yeah. Um, we're just we're just all of us. And I I when I was younger, I kind of hung on to the labels and those kinds of things. And I watched those labels begin to limit me and affect the way mm. I felt. Right. And that is silly. You know, yes, those things are all real. You know, a, a, I, I am an adoptive parent. I have gone through junk. No, no doubt about it. Right. My kids are different. My kids are going to deal with junk all their lives. Right. Okay, so there you are. But it that doesn't have to be the end. Right. That can, it can just, be a footnote versus the ex- title. Exactly. And it's just, it's a part. But it's also, I chose to love my husband before he was my husband. Right. So I chose to love these people, these kids that were brought to us. And, you know, some got to stay and some didn't. Right. And my husband got to stay. Yeah. <laughs> but you made the cut, Jeff. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, maybe it wouldn't have worked out and, and we're not done yet, so who knows? Yes. No, I'm yeah. like, don't mean that. But, you know, but, but he's having a heart attack. <laughs> but that is seriously what it comes down to for me is, is, you know, labels aside, let's just move on and let's figure out what today is and let's deal with the ugly feelings we all have of whatever it is that's happened and then let's use them grow through them and move on all of us together but yeah. let's just do that yeah. which is a beautiful picture of a family regard like you know any family yes. you know um so really cool okay so i know we're going long but i do i do want to not skip over so just tell us about like like when you were thinking of making the decision like what is that moment when you were like i think this is what i'm supposed to do i think i'm supposed to love a child that maybe came to my family a different way like what was that moment like and how did you what was it like well we knew that the only way we were going to ever have a family was if we adopted okay. we knew that from the beginning and we didn't fight it and we didn't try to figure it out and we didn't try to figure out whose fault it was none mm. of those things we were just like eh, this is what it is let's let's go let's just do this thing that we have no idea what we're getting in the middle of. Yeah. And, and 30 years ago, adoption is very different than now. And, oh, and you know, much more secretive and, and, you know, you didn't talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of where we were with it. And then we would always figure out what kind of time are we willing to wait? Where are we willing to go? What are our limits? And, and money. I'm sorry. It's a factor. Yeah. And, it, and a lot of times that's like the biggest issue. Yeah. For us, it was. Um, and so those were the things that we had to figure out first. And then we'd research and find what fit yeah. into that. So that was really the process that we always went through each and every time. And, you know, we after we got our first three girls, we were like, oh, I, well, I mean, what's left? I mean, we have no money. We have <laughs> these three little kids. And homeschooling is a bear right now because of that. And um, I guess we're done. And then we got three more. Yeah. You know, and so we're always open and waiting to see what God does, but we don't usually like pursue an adoption until we feel like God has really said to us, okay, it's it's time. Yeah. Uh, like he would dump a bunch of money on us that came out of the blue. That mm-hmm. happened twice. And we we're like, wait a minute. Oh no. And we'd sit down and go, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. We could either, you know, have a greater house or or a great vehicle, but 
could be this. Yeah, what yeah. do we really want to do with this yeah. that matters to us? And that's when we'd say, okay, it's time to go yeah. again. And we'd start the process and try to find one. Uh, you know, they were all different. All the experiences were different. I can't say that one was easier. Um, they were all messy, uh, more expensive than we imagined mm. at the outset, you know, yeah. it, and, and that was all okay. And there were some that I'd walk away after going, oh my goodness, that took the life out of me. Uh, and then some I'd walk away and say, oh, I feel like we were really able to minister mm. to the other side of this. Yeah. Um, we got to meet some of the um, birth parents sometimes, mm. and and that was sweet. And, and we always went into that asking, you know, what what do you need? Yeah. Mm. But, awesome. that, but that was years, you know, this right. is after a few. Right, yeah. And it was after you knew what you were, yeah, it felt was, a little more... Confident. Yeah, it was yeah. a maturity and it was a, you know, yeah. that, so I, that is not expected of anything, anyone, I think yeah. at the beginning, but well, um, I love that you, there wasn't a lingering on, well, what is the next step? It's just like, well, the, or, or trying to change a card you had been dealt. It's like, yeah. no, well, okay, that's the information. Great. Thanks for it. Here's, we're moving forward. It's just like the advice you had given before, like figure out, you know, accept it and figure out and move forward as a family. And I think that's, I think so many women could save themselves some heartbreaks if they just, like we, t- we talk about in our church how disappointment comes from when our expectation doesn't meet reality exactly. and we talk a lot about removing our expectation and just waiting for god to give you the the, pur- the purpose the yes. vision and then we'll be less disappointed that way and i do think that's true and i just it's so important and i know this is so hard like i remember hearing this when i like years ago and thinking that it sounded crazy but you really do just to you have to have a really close relationship with God so that you can hear those tuggings. Oh, yeah. Because why, you know, what if you got the money and you were like, I'm obviously supposed to buy a convertible. <laughs> like, well, that could be what you might first think, that human side of you, that yes. world side of you might tell you that. But like, if you didn't have a close relationship with the Lord, you guys wouldn't know that that tugging was something else. Exactly. Right? You wouldn't have listened. And so I think that is just so key and I think it just especially right now everybody going into the new year planning the things like just give yourself some quiet time and some prayer time and just like don't like me don't choose now what things I'm going to do this year or what things I'm going to resolve to or set out to like just I need to that comes from someone else like I just need to be quiet enough for him to feel comfortable enough to tell me what it is and you may not get any warning right we did not get warning with COVID that COVID was going to end up what it is. Right. And you know what? It, that's okay. Yeah. But we are such a planning, controlling people. Right. And it's worked for us. And I am like the uh, star of planning. Love. I love planning. It's oh, makes me happy to plan. <laughs> um, but I don't ever do resolutions. Right. Never. I've never done resolutions. To me, I'm thinking, oh, I can decide all I want. Yeah. But at the end of the day, yeah. my decision is yeah. is empty because I do not have control of the universe. Yeah. And right. God does, and that's going to be it. Yeah. So I don't do the resolution. It's just, you know, every day it's, okay, What what what's coming our way? Yeah. My word last year was abide, and it really was so helpful oh, yes. because I didn't have to solve all the problems. I just had to wait for him to tell me how, what was the right next thing for my family. You exactly. Know? Um, exactly. So yeah, that's that's where I'm at is I'm like, I'm just praying for like, for God to tell me like, what is the thing that I should 
focus on next year if anything it might not be anything um last year i did like things to let go of and things to try to do more of mm -hmm. and that was pretty successful like i set a goal to to write more and read more and be in my bible more and now i'm like one chapter away from having my book finished whereas like I struggled with the first two chapters for years, you know, exactly. but when I prioritized it and said like, this is a thing I'm going to do, it made, it was more productive that way. So, um, yeah, my, my favorite thing is be okay with life's interruptions Yeah, because they are just that they're interruptions. Yeah. They just are. And so be okay to be interrupted and figure out, is this where we need to pivot and change or do we just need to plow through? Right. And that's what we did. Um, and that's where we are now and, and we do it daily yeah and imagine these kids that have seen you do that and have heard you talk about that imagine the type of adults that they will be like having that example over and over seriously like we need more adults in the world that are like okay I got some bad news there let's just get a plan and move on and I, I'm always telling my friends like I used to get joy out of having like a planner where there was like something every day Yes. Like I would be weird about the days that I didn't have anything. And now I'm totally opposite. Like I get joy out of having empty days and weeks on my planner because I have margin to drop everything and help a friend. I have margin to, I don't know, I just, I have the wiggle room. And I, like, I always tell people like, while you're planning, like life is going to be lived in between the oh my schedules. Goodness, yes, life like, is like going to be lived. <laughs> it's, it's important to have, you know, an overall plan. And there's some things that you do have to schedule in advance, like important dates and whatnot. But leave yourself room for life. Leave yourself room for like a margin of just unexpected things and uncertainties. And, and conversations and yeah. feelings. Yeah. Give yourself the time and space for these feelings. Yeah. Because they come out of nowhere. And especially when we're all stressed and grieving. You know, feelings happen at the craziest times. Anyone can, can say that's done that. And with my kids, you know, I, I used to be way too busy. We, there really wasn't time for conversations and feelings. Right. And now that my kids are adults, half of them, um, we have been so much better about that. Yeah. And lots of ugly conversations, lots of delightful conversations. And and that sometimes those are my favorite days as I get to be with my adult kids and it's like yay yeah. let's just talk can we yeah. just yeah. sit here for a second I used to have a friend back in Texas who was from Belgium and he used to think it was crazy how we would drink coffee in like the disposable cups like the to-go cups and so he would always say like do you have time to have a cup of coffee in a real cup with me because he wanted to talk yes because in other countries they still talk they still have long lunches they still have you know I don't know. They they value that more than I think we do. Um, so so yeah, I love that. Like, and it's like Connie said last year. Like when you have adult kids that want to come back and spend oh, time yes. with you, like that is the ultimate goal. I think um, for parents it is, is to have the ultimate goal. And yes. my my husband, I was always telling my thirteen year old son, like I want to mold you into a person that I actually want to hang out with someday, and I want you to want to actually hang out with me someday. And I'm like, yeah, that's. That is, that, I think that's such a good goal to have, to want to spend time when you're not obligated anymore. Still yeah. have family time. So. Yeah, I, I love when my adult kids come back home and we hang and, uh, you know, they're my best friends now. Um, but it's just because of the years we they put in and we put in with the constant conversations of hard stuff and lovely things yeah. and moments together. Yeah. Um, because that's all it is. And that, I mean, that's just... That's life to me. Yeah. That that's life. The rest of this are just things we're doing on the side. Um, it's these connections and these relationships and these people that I can call family. That 
that's life for me. Well, that is really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all of your words and all of your experiences that are even still ongoing. It was such a pleasure. Um, I always ask people, like, what are you, what do you do? What does the rest of your day look like today? What are you doing after this? You know, I have a lot of things to do at home because they, it went, after the holidays, it's like cleaning frenzy for right. me because I don't like things undone. Right. Um, but my husband's home and off work for the week and the kids are all home and so I'm really working hard this week to not have too many things planned in my head that I want to accomplish Mm -hmm. because I know they're not going to happen and uh, I just have my list in the back of my mind oh I'd like to do these things but uh, I have one just with a book next to the fire today it's blustery outside it's terrible you can take a day yeah (laughs) my my hope is that we get one child's room cleaned up yeah So my, my sister that's staying with me is a, I don't know if you're into Enneagram, but I'm a six and my sister that's out of state that's visiting me is a nine. And we saw this thing the other day that was like that week between Christmas and New Year's, how the different Enneagrams spend their time. And it was like week six, already planning next week, which is true. I have a wedding I have to go to this weekend. Of course I'm already planning next week. And then the Enneagram nine is like not a care, not doing a single thing not lifting a single finger and that has been my sister since she's been here she has just been like in pjs drinking all my wine watching all my <laughs> movies which i love but it's so funny how like the six and the nine like you was pretty on point and then for my five my other sister sarah is a five and it just said exhausted needs to, needs to sleep and that is her she had to go home last night because she needed to get some quiet time and some sleep yeah, so we've got to so give funny. each other grace to be yes. who we are yeah I think we are probably just going to watch some movies today, and it's kind of our last night together before everyone leaves tomorrow, so um, probably movie and coffee, lots of coffee today. We're on our third part all, pot already in my house, um, and maybe some board games tonight, and ham and leftovers, be. and that's kind of it. Yeah, kind of just, we don't, we're not always all four together, my sisters and my mom like this, because my mom lives out of state, and one of my sisters lives out of state, so we don't get like normal days together where there's nothing planned and we just get to hang so that's probably what we're up to so and you never know what tomorrow is have we not learned that by now yeah after the last year we've had yeah we we don't know tomorrow yeah so and we're hoping I mean like my dad isn't here so like yeah we're hoping we're planning to go see my dad for spring break but I just saw something the other day that was like airlines might not let you fly if you don't have a a vaccine Mm -hmm. we're not like planning on running out and getting it at this point so it's like oh maybe we're not traveling in spring so we're just trying to enjoy the last so yeah if you're if you're this will go out on friday so if on friday you still have the privilege of being with your family just soak it up just enjoy it dishes can be cleaned later tree can be put up later just in, enjoy it so um so yeah i normally pitch some things that i have upcoming i don't really have a lot because i'm still in planning and waiting mode um but do do keep an eye on my instagram because i am lining up new fresh guests and um having a lot of things change on my website as well different things that i'm going to be offering and products that i'm going to be offering throughout the year original products that i'm making and i'm designing so um just kind of keep an eye out for announcements in the next few months on changes on that um so yeah that's all we got. Any last minute closing? I don't think so. Just okay. you know, just remember to take the time and look at the people around you and and give them the grace to be who they are and give yourself the grace to be who you are. Work through it and and just yeah. you know, try to stay together and be. Yes, I love that. I always I always 
I think that people need a reminder that it is a two-way road. Like we're very big, culture is very big on let me feel the things, let me do the things, let me be me. But it's like if you want to be left to be you, you have to let the people around you be them as well and, and, and move forward together. So very cool. All right. Well, we'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. Mm-hmm.